Happy Monday and welcome to Not Boring. This is a cool one for me. In April of 2020, when Not Boring had 804 subscribers, I reached out to one of my favorite bloggers about a piece I was writing based largely on something he wrote. I was a complete nobody and completely nervous about it being send, but lo and behold, Alex Stanko replied and linked to my piece in his newsletter. I remember where I was when I got that email. I was so pumped. I told Pooja and she was excited that I was excited, but probably also thought that I was a total nerd. I told Dan and he was much more excited because he was a Danko fanboy too. This is going to be a cool one for you too, I hope. Since that first exchange, Alex slowed down the newsletter and joined Shopify, where he heads up the blockchain team. And he and Shopify have big plans for crypto, specifically for NFTs. This is a glimpse into their thought process. And since they're building both the platform and developer primitives, a glimpse into the near future. One of the yet-to-be-realized opportunities I'm most excited about in Web3 is what happens when developers start building products and experiences that adapt to people's wallet inventories. As an example, if I own refi NFTs, a site might offer me the option to offset the carbon footprint of my transaction at checkout. That's a simple one. The real magic will come when developers, armed with new primitives, build millions of new experiences that treat users as both community members and individuals. That's what Shopify is helping to build. This is not a sponsored deep dive. I just jumped at the chance to hear from one of my favorite thinkers on one of my favorite topics, especially since Alex is in an important seat to turn thoughts into industry-wide action. Before we get to it, though, let's talk about a different kind of asset. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Masterworks. Despite the absolute chaos in the stock market, I got a nice surprise for my portfolio. As you all know, I don't just invest in stocks. I also invest in crypto and fine art. So the prices of my paintings don't fluctuate that often. But let's just say I'm very happy when I checked my art investments last week. My Mark Bradford and Agnes Martin paintings were both up 16%, and my Basquiat was up by 30%. And that's the beauty of this investment. You don't have to stress about it every day like stocks or crypto. Plus, you don't need to know the difference between a banana and a Banksy to invest like a pro, because Masterworks makes it as easy as one, two, three. In fact, this fintech unicorn is rolling out the red carpet and giving my listeners VIP passes so you all have no excuses to not become art investors. Just head to my unique link at masterworks.io slash notboring. That's masterworks.io slash notboring. One more time for those in the back, that is masterworks.io slash notboring. Remember, past performance does not guarantee future results, and you can see important reggae disclosures at masterworks.io slash DC. Now let's get to it. Token-gated commerce. So the way that we're going to do this one is a little bit weird. It's a back and forth between me and Alex Stanko. Uh, and I'm going to be doing both of our voices today. And so I'll let you know when it's me asking or him answering. Should be fun. Alex, thanks for coming to hang out and not boring. This is cool for me. I've been an Alex Stanko's newsletter fan since before I started writing. In one of my first not boring essays, I wrote, quote, in positional scarcity, the essay that I cite the most, Alex Danko writes that in conditions of abundance, relative position matters a great deal. So anyway, big fan. And this is Alex now. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, both one, because I've also enjoyed so many of your pieces over the past few years. I think about the great online game all the time, and now here we are, finding each other inside that great game once again. And also because two, by the law of newsletters, I'm pretty sure you're my supervisor now. Back to me. Haha, <laughs> well, perfect. I'll put you to work and make you answer some questions then. We both work for Canadians. You were at Social Capital and I was at Breather. And then we both wrote newsletters. We've gone in kind of different directions since. 
I'm doing a newsletter plus a fund, and you've put the newsletter on slow drip to become a full-time operator at Shopify. I remember when you took the job thinking, A, that's so cool, and B, what's he going to do at Shopify? And we'll get there, but for those who haven't been keeping up, can you define what Shopify is today and what you think it's going to become over the next decade? Back to Alex. Well, if you'd like a comprehensive answer about what Shopify is and does, I'll refer you to this Colossus episode, which we link at the post in notboring.co, that I did with Patrick O'Shaughnessy. But Shopify's more simply stated purpose is to make commerce better for everyone. And specifically, we do that with software. We are the platform on which commerce is built. And our job is to build that platform in a way that offers merchants and many others, like app developers, agencies, and now buyers, the very best version of what the internet can be. Back to me. And what are you, Alex Danko, doing at Shopify? Back to Alex. Making Shopify wallet aware, of course. Back to me. Let's go, diving right into Web3. So the first time you tweeted GM a few months ago, I thought you were being sarcastic. Then you changed your PFP. Now you're running a blockchain team. I think your LinkedIn title is Systems and Crypto Person. Have you been into crypto for a while? What, what interests you about it? Back to Alex. Ha, that's actually funny because it hadn't even occurred to me that it might draw anyone's attention. I've been in crypto for a while. I've been writing about it on my newsletter for a few years now. And I guess that just goes to show one of the big things that writers often struggle with. Most people haven't read most of the things you've said. And also, why there's a high overlap between highly effective people and people who repeat their key messages over and over. I'm working on that. As far as what interests me about it, man, I don't know, everything? Here are some examples of my favorite things to think and write about, and they're all linked in the piece at notboring.co. But I guess most importantly, crypto is in the middle of finding its purpose. And that's where you want to be. There are three kinds of places that you can spend time. One, those without a purpose. Two, those with an established, fixed purpose. And three, those that are discovering their purpose. You tell me which sounds more fun. Back to me. I'm going to use that. Crypto is in the middle of discovering its purpose instead of continuing to repeat, we're so early. But for a lot of people, discovering its purpose means finding real use cases. To that end, Shopify is one of the more interesting places in trad tech from a crypto perspective. Crypto and commerce are very linked. Your CEO, Toby, seems genuinely interested in it. And there are over a million businesses running on Shopify. Given its size and reach, it feels like Shopify can lend its legitimacy to use cases, i.e. if Shopify supports something, it is a real use case because Shopify supports it. With great power comes great responsibility. How do you start approaching whether to get involved and what to do in the space? Back to Alex. I guess I'd say gradually and then suddenly. I joined Shopify two years ago and found this funny juxtaposition, which was one, a lot of people scattered around the company who were also quite crypto fluent and really knew what they were talking about, but also two, no driving force to align on what to do aside from payments. Shopify merchants have been able to accept crypto payments for several years now, thanks to third-party app developers building payment gateways. But then last year when NFTs took off, it really lit a fire under us to go find an answer to that question is this a part of the best version of the internet that our platform must offer to merchants? And the answer was clearly yes, although it took us a minute to discover why. Back to me. Indeed, the first crypto news out of the company was, I think, the Chicago Bulls NFT store. And when I thought about Shopify's role starting there, I thought your big push into the space would be something along those lines, but richer. NFT minting, drops, sales. You help businesses sell things, physical and digital, so help them sell sweet, sweet, high-margin NFTs. That's not the way you went. Why? Back to Alex. Well, Faki, that's the money question I want to talk to you about. Although I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that you can sell NFTs on Shopify. 
But back to our topic, instead of giving you a simple answer, because we think token-gated commerce is a hundred times bigger opportunity than anyone else realizes, and it's more inherently interesting to us than anything else, I'm going to give you a newsletter-like answer because that's why we're here, right? Anyway, let me start my answer with a question for you. It's a very big question. Here it is. When you make a bet on crypto, what is it you're betting on? Back to me. Ooh, good one. This answer changes for me, but here's my current thinking. There was a line in that big Jonathan Haidt article a couple weeks ago that immediately made me think of crypto. He said, there is a direction to history and it is towards cooperation at larger scales. To me, crypto is a bet on cooperation at larger scales without needing to pay companies to sit in the middle and coordinate everything. What do you think? He said, I specifically, and this is back to Alex, I specifically like the coordination part of this answer. Let's bookmark that idea. And for the record, I don't think there's one correct answer for this. Of course, there are lots of different communities and schools of thought around what blockchains and cryptocurrency are here to do for us. That's a good thing. But I'll tell you mine, which I think covers a lot of what's important. When we bet on crypto happening, we're betting on two things. One, that wallets change how people behave. And two, over time, this behavior will win. I like then back to Packy. I like this answer because it incorporates both the social and the technical and how computers and people interact. First, we shape our interfaces, and then our interfaces shape us. Back to Alex. I think it covers it kind of nicely, don't you think? It gives something for everyone. There's something for the sound money folks. Our wallets and cryptographic key pairs change the behavior of how we save and spend, and that behavior in the long run will outcompete the old behavior. There's something for the DAP builders. Wallets change how people create and consume software. And there's something for communities. Wallets change how people collect and present pieces of their identity. I like this starting point because it brings us together on something that we can all agree on. Crypto is fundamentally a kind of behavior, just as much or arguably even more than it is a kind of technology. There are so many facets to this behavior, but it starts from cryptography and it starts in our wallets when we sign something. And it starts at one moment. And that's the magic moment where our wallets open a door into a new world and we step inside. We're working on some cool stuff inside that world. We call it token-gated commerce. Token-gated commerce starts with an observation that there's a new kind of internet user out there in the world called people with wallets. Back to me. I love this framing, people with wallets. Descriptions of what crypto lets people do are common, but I haven't seen any that describe what crypto lets people become. Back to Alex. That's exactly it. Forget what you can do for a second. Let's talk about who you can be. And I'll tell you the answer. You can be someone with a wallet. Let's talk about these people with wallets. Who are they? They're owners. Maybe they own some NFTs that signify community membership, an ENS name, an ETH or USDC balance, maybe a smart contract they're associated with. They can sign things all over the internet. These people behave in an interesting way. They really want to connect their wallets to things. They're always connecting their wallets to get into Discord channels, connect their wallets to dApps, connecting their wallets to NFT marketplaces. How come? Because the things we own through our wallets mean something. When we show up with our wallet, we show up as us. And when we connect our wallets and feel that magic moment when suddenly the world changes, it sees us and opens up, that's a pretty awesome feeling. It feels like the Doodles event from South by Southwest this past March, a pop-up world created by the Web3 community Doodles. The event was open to everyone, but if you were a Doodle holder, all kinds of experiences in this world, from the entry all the way through to the Shopify-powered gift shop, opened up to you in delightful ways. Lights flashed, bubbles blew, a special gated merch dropped down on a hand-built roller coaster cart, and your doodle showed up on a huge screen announcing to the world, welcome doodle order 3125. And one after the other, 
guest faces lit up in the unmistakable joy of being recognized of successfully entering this new world. This moment is what token-gated commerce is all about. It's a moment where you realize, ah, I get the relationship between NFTs and commerce now. NFTs aren't an output of commerce. They're an input for commerce. NFTs aren't a kind of product. They're a kind of buyer. Back to me. All right, two things I like there. One, the idea that experiences can be open to anyone, but more special for NFT holders. I think music NFTs are really good at this. Anyone can listen. A few can be visibly big supporters and get access to special tracks and meet and greets, etc. And two, here it is again, what crypto lets people become. Back to Alex. It's good to be a non-fungible buyer. You arrive at the storefront, connect your wallet, and suddenly the storefront changed based on your NFT that you hold. Maybe a special product gets unlocked or you get early access to a drop. Maybe you connect your wallet that unlocks a high quality art print or 3D model of your NFT. Maybe you gain access to a special collab. For this limited edition drop, your NFT opens a new door into another community. The more you explore, the more doors you find. NFTs specifically have turned out to be the perfect catalyst for this behavior. You know why? Think about what most successful NFT brands look like. It looks like a theme and variations. Here's what you fit into, and here's how you stand out. They're identity tokens for that feeling of accomplishment. I'm in the Doodle Gang, and I have this Doodle. I'm in Atom Bomb Squad, and I have this Atom Bomb. I'm in the Stapleverse, and I have this Hood Pigeon. NFTs are a new token of meaning on the internet for fit in and stand out. Back to me. This is one of those cooperation at scale points again, I think. Within local communities, we're naturally non-fungible buyers. You go to your favorite neighborhood stores and restaurants, and the people there know you, know what you're going to order before you say anything. You're part of the local community, or you fit in, but you're you with your own preferences and visible style and, and all of that. You stand out. Back to Alex. Yep. And it turns out that behavior, fit in and stand out, is one of the most important raw ingredients for so many wonderful things in the world culture, community, commerce. And now we have wallets with an inventory of NFTs in them that stand for this exact atomic unit of behavior, fit in and then stand out. This feeling of fit in and then stand out isn't unique to crypto, of course. It's a universal feeling and it gets better when you reciprocate it. My colleague Nicole has an anecdote about walking around the mall with the big Sephora bag, not the small one, the big one you get when you buy too many things to fit into the small one and recognizing someone else had a big bag too. They both immediately think the same two things. One, nice. And two, what's in your bag? An engineer on our team has a similar experience when she sees others wearing the engineer's iron ring. Nice. What's your discipline? I used to tour in a band, and I still get that feeling whenever I see someone on the street wearing a concert t-shirt. Nice. What show is that? This recognition is contagious because you both feel good. It's a feeling of reciprocal inclusion. I'm letting you in, and you're letting me in. It's a challenge we do together. We both get to fit in and stand out. You see it in every community. Athletes, collectors, people who love bands and live music, and people who love comic books. And anywhere you see this feeling, commerce is right around the corner. Great brands understand this concept really well. When you go shopping at their flagship store, it's obvious how much care and craft go into creating this environment of mutually recognized accomplishment. Not just in the decor and the aesthetic, but more importantly, in your interaction with the merchant. It could be as simple as the merchant seeing your t-shirt and nodding, nice, or getting offered a house discount to acknowledge that shared history. What's that hoodie? Spring 18 collection? Nice. Hey, we've got something in the back for you. Bobby Hundreds, the LA streetwear band The Hundreds, and of course, Adam Bomb Squad, 
wrote a book called This Is Not a T-Shirt that I highly recommend that really hammers this point home. Back to me. Right. So this is the second layer on top of local, I guess. In your local community, people might recognize you as you. A layer up, anywhere you go in the physical world, other people who love the same thing as you do might recognize you as a kindred spirit. But that's hard to do online. Here's Alex. Yep. Before wallets, that magic moment of being seen was hard to create online. It's hard for an online storefront to do a vibe check on a buyer and respond to the buyer in a way that recognizes and celebrates a social contract. Customer accounts and loyalty programs don't cut it. They're not you, not in the same way that your wallet is. Customer accounts are fundamentally part of the store, not part of the buyer. In contrast, connect your wallet, get recognized is a feeling that I promise you people don't get from logging into their loyalty account. It's not the same. Back to me. Okay, that makes sense, but there's a big open question for me. When I read token-gated commerce or X-gated commerce, the first thing that comes to mind is, why in the world would you want to gate your commerce? If you're selling something, why not reach the widest audience you can? Why not just one-click checkout? And I was about to ask you, but it reminded me a lot of the Business Breakdowns episode you did on Shopify with Patrick O'Shaughnessy. You talked a lot about the importance of keeping some friction to build trust for the things you categorize as, quote, high-trust commerce. Token-gated commerce feels like a way to intentionally introduce a little bit of friction for certain products. Is, is that right? Here's Alex. 100%. And I think the way to square this in your mind is to replace the word friction with the word challenge. Token-gating is about adding challenge to certain products. This is demand 101. The default state of the world is not everyone wants your product. Creating demand is an art. You create a story and a challenge, and you wrap that challenge in an adventure that the buyer and the merchant go on together. Think about a flash sale or a limited edition drop. These experiences are fun and they're wrapped in a story. You get to be somebody who successfully got the drop and that's half the fun. This is actually a great time to revisit your line about crypto and collaboration though, because one of the biggest things I'm excited for in token-gated commerce is collabs. Collabs are the lifeblood of creative work. Ask anyone in music, streetwear, or any kind of scene. But online, how do you organize a collab merch drop that's exclusive for a superset of people? My fans plus your fans. There's no conventional way to do this that's both exclusive and not janky. But token-gated commerce makes this so easy. Connect your wallet, access drop with any of these NFTs. Bam, I let you in and you let me in. I'm especially interested in the challenge of how token-gated commerce will help brands endorse each other. I think of endorsement as a special subset of collabs where an established artist will host or co-brand with an up-and-coming one. The music industry does this particularly well. We should ask, how does a community endorse another up-and-coming community on the internet? With collaborative token gating. When two brands get together and flip exclusivity into reciprocal inclusivity. What are token gated collabs? When the hundreds does a collab with Deadfellas and you can unlock limited edition merch with an NFT from either of their collections, that's a token gated collab. When Superplastic does a collab with Gucci that's gated to holders of the secret Super Gucci NFT, that's a token gated collab. Here's where the magic starts to happen. I belong to my community, you belong to your community, but when we do a collab together, I can invite you in and you can invite me in. Token-gated collabs flip exclusivity into reciprocal inclusivity. A century-old brand like Gucci gets to endorse a really hot brand like Superplastic in a way where their fans are both inviting each other into the shared experience and the shared community that they now have together. Back to me. So there's this obvious question. Why does token-gating make this better? Why is this different from a loyalty program or a promo code? 
back to Alex. So there's a cop-out answer I can give you, which hits again on the idea that challenge feels good. When you spent an ETH or more on a prized NFT, then unlocking token-gated products, which with it feels like an achievement. But for token-gated commerce to actually reach its potential, we need a next tier of cheaper and eventually too cheap to meter tokens. And many of these are going to be a lot more utilitarian unless the challenge is its own reward, you know? So we need a better answer for how token gating will succeed over the long run. Loyalty programs, promo codes, or any kind of account-based gating system can work for reciprocal inclusivity mechanics. Of course it can. But here's the catch. It's that your gating rules will exist as dependencies that refer back to accounts and permissions, which get complicated fast if you try to introduce any kind of interesting multiplayer mechanic at all. Imagine getting a pop-up storefront across four different brands' fans with multiple tiers of access that get you early access to a merch drop. Where do you sign in and as who? What if you're a member of multiple communities? Do I need codes from each? How do you prevent promo code abuse, which gets more complex the more variables you throw in? I mean, you can do it, but social gating rules built on dependencies break under complexity pretty quickly. And when the fourth wall breaks and the exclusive community vibe is spoiled by buggy software, it's not a good community experience at all. In contrast, a token is a bearer instrument. It is much more like a file or like a physical ticket that you hold in your hand. This file analogy is going to be important later. The NFT does not link back to anything. It's not a reference to a reference to an account entry on one or more merchant databases. It is the ticket itself. In let's call it single player mode, so a single merchant gating to a single list of customers, it's hard to see the advantage. But as soon as you enter multiplayer mode, multiple merchants gating to multiple sets of fans through a set of social rules, the ticket being a bearer instrument that does not link back to anything and therefore brings no dependencies with it, but can still be trusted by the gate even though it doesn't link back to anything, is a radically simplifying mechanic. Because now, the token gating rules can get super complicated, but they won't break under the weight of dependencies because there aren't any. Here's me again. Ah, reading this is a little light bulb moment for me. Some of crypto's killer use cases might be big and wild and impossible to imagine, but there's also part of it that's just, this just makes the same thing so much easier and now a lot more of it will happen because of that. I think stablecoin rails are also in this camp. And Alex said, I feel like this actually preempts a point I wanna hit later, so I'll leave this here. But for now, when we look back 10 years from now at 2022 and ask what was really obvious and in front of our faces the whole time, I think one answer will be that collaborative gating will be the mechanic that dramatically simplifies how brands collaborate and endorse each other and that simplification will mean that commerce and brand endorsements are about to get a lot more multiplayer. Moreover, collaborative token gating is an inherently superior form for anything that involves remixing community signifiers and endorsements. In our gated collab example, it's not like we want to gate a specific set of people. We want to gate a specific set of accomplishment holders, which is far more flexible and remixable as a format. Kai Kreutler expresses this idea brilliantly in a piece called Inventories, Not Identities. And I want to double down on this idea by highlighting that NFTs are your inventory of accomplishments. They represent you. Now you can bring them shopping. Today, we see a great fit from both Web3 brands and traditional brands who are already token gating their online stores through token gating app partners that are bringing these storefronts to life. These app partners have been incredible to work with, and we're building with them really deliberately. More on them in a second. Meanwhile, we just teased a preview of a new mobile app for token gated commerce the Gated Merch Shop, GM Shop for short, that you should check out. And we link to it in the post in opering.co. 
Over the past several months, we've really fallen in love with the problem of how do you make an incredible, mobile-first, single-purpose, token-gated commerce experience. And I'm so proud of the team that's built this. It's going to rule so much. But all this is only a crack in the door of what's possible. What's going on in the back of house is even more interesting. Now that we've set up all the pins by introducing token-gated commerce and how important this idea of fitting in and standing out is for commerce, we can talk about why it's so significant that this is happening in Web3 wallets on public blockchains. The one-liner here to remember is we're going to make Shopify wallet-aware. Wag Maswa, wag bwa. This is me. When Nikhil Vasutravetti asked for my contribution to his annual Next Big Thing piece, I wrote, the next big thing in 2022 is entrepreneurs building custom experiences based on the inventories in people's wallets. This sounds like exactly that specifically for commerce. The fun thing about writing is that I can just prognosticate. You actually have to build it now that you've decided to become an operator. How are you going to make that happen? Back to Alex. He said, hey, I wish I could prognosticate that concisely and insightfully. But yeah, when it comes to the building part, there's a lot to uncover. So I'll take you through it piece by piece. To really understand Shopify, the first thing to realize is that we're not just an online store service for merchants. We're also a developer platform. Every storefront is unique. If you go to any great merchant storefront, that's not just out-of-the-box Shopify, they're probably running a dozen or more apps from different developers or that they built themselves, all working together to create the exact experience that merchants want to represent their business. When you sign up for a subscription product or navigate cool content in the storefront or connect your wallet to unlock aided products, that's all powered by agencies and app developers. Just like most of what you do on your iPhone was built by an app developer, not by Apple, and that's good for everyone. Well, we want to make wallets a new input for developers building on top of Shopify's platform. An NFT in your wallet is much more than have NFT or don't. That NFT is information. It's a smart contract and that's significant. Here's what we mean when we say making Shopify wallet aware. When a buyer shows up to a storefront, then if they show up with a wallet, all the stuff that their wallet can sign for and all of its public social significance that the buyer wishes to put forward should be accessible to the storefront and to third-party developers. Those developers can take all that relevant state and build all kinds of apps and mechanics that can assume that state as an input. So there's going to be this generation of very successful apps built on Shopify that give storefronts new kinds of powers. And today we have four amazing token gating apps live. Perk Engage, Manifold, Shopthrough, and Lit Protocol powering token-gated commerce for merchants now, with several more behind the scenes that we'll get to see soon enough. The best Web3 brands aren't waiting. They're creating intricate, intimate experiences for their token holders, new ways of crafting merch drops, new ways for brands and their buyers to collaborate in multiplayer mode. And the wonderful thing about having an app ecosystem is that developers can reuse, iterate, improve, and ultimately share these mechanics with lots of merchants and brands and make a pretty good living doing so, I might add. If you're an app developer and this is interesting to you, I promise you, we've currently thought of approximately 1% of the applications that will go on to become huge. The remaining 99% are wide open for you to build. Back to me. This is the best part about new primitives. The swarm will think of all sorts of uses that even the primitives creators can't. But you probably have some ideas in mind for what people might do. Back to Alex. Well, to give you a sense of what's possible, I want to get back to the ideas of NFTs as tokens on the internet for representing social achievements and social contracts. NFTs are a more important achievement than you might think because we've managed to package this atomic unit of culture and community fitting in and standing out and capture it almost like in a file format that both people and computers can interpret and understand. That's a big idea, 
So let's unpack it. What are the four things that the NFTs in your wallet have to say? One, what you're fitting into, a smart contract, a community, a socially understood context. Two, how you stand out, which NFT you're signing for in that collection, what sub-meaning. Three, who you are, your wallet address that you sign from. And then one more thing, this genius edition that's so simple but so important. Four, a human readable image that makes it instantly recognizable. I, alexbanco.eth, fit in to Adam Baumswan, and I stand out as the owner of bond number 6233, the clean blue Disney trap design. I know this sounds a little ridiculous, but this is actually a really impressive accomplishment. It's like we have an accepted file format standard for putting a vibe on a computer in a way where the vibe is not only faithfully preserved and carried forward, but more importantly, is now accessible to other things the computer can do. It's easy to laugh at this and point at how silly it all looks, but something pretty powerful is happening here. We now have a way for computers to recognize and understand these units of social accomplishment, these little nuggets of meaning, almost like files, and they are a lot like files. This is what I was talking about earlier, that store social meaning in this persistent little format that's both human and computer legible. And by a minor miracle of social coordination, it's catching on to broad acceptance. The fact that NFTs and other smart contracts on blockchains are an intermediary format that sits between the setting where the social meeting was established and another setting where the social meeting gets deployed, which is wherever you connect your wallet, is important. This is almost a step backwards from Web2, back out of a world where everything is one app talking to another app directly through APIs and back into an earlier time where we got something more deeply right. And that thing we're rediscovering is called composability. And he has this tweet from Dan Romero that says, Web2 mode, network effect, Web3 mode, composability. The essential idea here is if you want one app to successfully talk to another app, then that's easy. You just tell them how. And if you want one app to talk successfully to 100 apps, then you write an API that says, hey, 100 apps, here's how to talk to me. But what if 100 apps want to talk to 100 apps? That's a lot of connections to maintain. So instead, we can use something else, files. If I want to pass information from one app to another, I can pass it as a CSV file that everybody understands, where no dependencies are created between whoever made the file and whoever uses the file. So an important principle to appreciate here is that for any one task or any one job to be done, having one app talk directly to app 99 is going to be better, strictly speaking, than going through an intermediary file. But the power of files reveals itself over time through the power of standards because there's a common format they agree on how to read and write to each other and a common place for this content to live on a disk or on a network or somewhere that's accessible and persistent. Back to me. So why not pass it as a literal CSV file? I feel like it's always my responsibility as someone who's excited about Web3 but understands some people's skepticism about many of the use cases to ask, why does this need a blockchain? What does Web3 allow here that you couldn't have done otherwise? Alex. Aha, yes, okay. So we finally have gotten to the question of why do you need a blockchain? And it's because we need to solve the problem that blockchains are actually originally here to solve, which is provable scarcity and the double spend problem. These files need to live somewhere in public state in an environment of code that can make commitments in order for their social meaning to make sense. Web3 is that environment made possible by publicly agreed upon blockchain state with enough group confidence in these intermediary files for social meaning. So if we go back to the present and ask, what is Web3? And I know that this is one of those impossible to answer questions. And I feel like people don't want a settled answer because it's better when you can just gesture vaguely. To me, the most practical way to think about Web3 
is simply as an environment where there is a consensus emerging for building around a new set of standards. Everything is a smart contract address. Everything is a token ID. Everything is a wallet address. The reemergence of these blockchain artifacts as intermediary files mean that interoperable composable social mechanics are now competitive and I think starting to outcompete the closed web two style social network mechanics where everything either happens in one app or is cross dependencies between different apps. This is going to be pretty bonkers for commerce, I think, especially the most special and meaningful kinds of community commerce where we're constantly creating and remixing new ways to express our identities, how we fit in and stand out. And the best part of this is the idea is so wide open and divergent that no one company or no one app could ever solve this. It's not possible. Culture is too interesting for that. We need many apps, many developers, many attempts at capturing these forms of community expression, starting with token gating, but then expanding into really token gating can actually mean a lot of things. And so this is why I'm having such a good time working on this at Shopify, because we're not playing this game alone. We're a platform and token gated commerce really brings up the best of why we chose to build Shopify as a platform. Everyone gets to play. Back to me. So this reminds me of the great online game. And part of it is the idea that we're playing this infinite game and there don't have to be winners and losers. And I can see how that makes sense for people, but Shopify is a company. What does winning and losing mean in a company context? How do Web3 and actual companies mix? Alex said, I want to go back to the original idea we opened with. Wallets change how people behave. And in the long run, that behavior will win. I want to focus on one word here specifically, win. What do we mean for that behavior to win? It doesn't mean we win, everyone else loses. Winning means we get to keep playing and we play so that other people can play. It's a beautiful idea. And I actually think about your great online game piece all the time here. Shopify's tagline that we're known for has always been make commerce better for everyone, which is great. It's what we're here to do. But in the past year, there's been another purposeful slogan starting to pop up that I really like win and help win. And I especially like the idea that we should think of the game we're playing as not having boundaries, but having a horizon. When you move toward the horizon and explore it, you don't use it up. The horizon keeps moving with you. And that's how I hope everyone in this world thinks about it. There's no web two versus web three. There's just bring the best version of the internet to the most people. That's horizon thinking. When you help others win, you win too. Back to me. That seems like a beautiful place to wrap up. Thanks for hanging out with us over here at Not Boring This Week, Alex. I'm excited for people to have this new Lego token gated commerce and all the new idea Legos that you dropped throughout the piece to play and build with. To Alex. Packy, thank you so much for, first of all, getting me back on the newsletter train. I had so much fun writing this, but more importantly, for your over-the-top generosity in setting this up. I had the best time. This is what the great online game is all about. That's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. There's a bunch of links and different places that you can go to learn more about this and start building yourself uh, in the post at notboring.co. Otherwise, have a great week.